Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNBR Buffs podcast presented by Colorado Rugby. I'm Henry Chisholm, and we have a couple of things to talk about today. I'm going to start by digging into the news that Larry Scott will be stepping down or will be departing. Stepping down makes it sound like it's his decision. I think what it's being framed as is a mutual thing. Uh, The point is he'll be gone at the end of June, and right now the representatives of the Pac-12 have started a search to find the next commissioner of the Pac-12. Big news for sure, and we're going to dig into that first, and then after that get into the Buffs' loss against Washington last night in basketball, um, giving Washington its second win of the season and first win of Pac-12 play. Wasn't a good performance. Um, We'll get into that as well. Um, but before we do any of that, want to give a shout out to our friends over at Colorado Rugby, the people who make this podcast possible. Um, you guys have probably heard me say that there are a bunch of shakeups going on. Um, and what's happening is this, the Colorado Raptors who played in the professional rugby league in the United States, they've disbanded and instead the facilities down at infinity park in Glendale, are going to be used to work with the U.S. national teams, the USA Eagles men's and women's rugby 15s teams. Um, that That's now called the Rugby Town National Training Center. Um, Glendale's known as Rugby Town USA. And what they're doing is bringing in a whole bunch of athletes from other sports to teach them rugby and see if any of them are really good at it. And if they are, then they could potentially be the new face of American rugby. Really cool thing that's happening right down the road from us. And you guys can follow along with the DNVR Rugby podcast. Um, our guy Colton Strickler, has an uh, he does a great job um, with that podcast once a week. Um, there's interviews with all the big names in American rugby. Um, you'll learn about rugby with the 101 podcast. Uh, just really good stuff. And there's uh, written content on the website as well. So... Um, make sure that you're following along because there's a whole bunch of really cool stuff happening in the rugby world right here in Colorado. Okay, so Larry Scott is gone, and um, I don't even know where to start. I guess I probably should have planned ahead for this. Um, Let's start with basically just what went down. So Larry Scott came into the conference, I I think like 2009, maybe 2010, right around there, um, right as the conference was 
starting to restructure. Um, it was right before Colorado and Utah joined. Um, there was talk that instead of going to the Pac-12, it could go to like the Pac-16, and that would include more teams, notably including Texas and Oklahoma, um, all sorts of different things. That plan fell through, um, and and that kind of set the tone for a, a lot of Larry Scott's tenure. Um, just because you know, if call or if the Pac-12 did have Oklahoma and Texas at this point, I think things would be in a much different position. You know, you have had a couple more. I guess did Oklahoma make one or two college football playoffs? At least one more of those. Um, plus, just more teams that are near the top of the pecking order in all of college football. Um, and I think that that's just kind of like an interesting start to Larry Scott's time, where if things could have gone differently, and I don't know what went down there behind the scenes, whether Larry Scott could have closed that deal, didn't have any shot at convincing them to come. Um, you know, that's what set the tone. And there were a lot of things to like about what was going on with the Pac-12 early on in Larry Scott's time as the Pac-12 commissioner. Um, the big TV deal being the biggest point. Um, you know, reset the market for Power 5 TV deals. At one point, getting more money than anybody else was getting, which at this point just sounds crazy. Um, and right now, that deal is starting to come close to ending. Um, and just like anything else, you know, it's similar to like with quarterbacks in the NFL, and I guess maybe Patrick Mahomes changes a little bit, but the highest paid quarterback was just the the top 10 or top 12 quarterback who got paid the most recently. That's how things worked for like a decade. When it was Derek Carr's time to get paid, he reset the market. Same thing with all of those guys. Um, even like there were some kind of crazy ones in there too. I, I wish I had gone down this route, but but that's kind of how that worked, and that's the way that the TV deals work as well, because media rights just keep becoming more and more and more valuable. Um, and as it stands right now, when all the other conferences have renegotiated their deals, and the Pac-12 is still, I think 2024 is when the new deal goes into effect. I think the current deal expires at the end of 2023. You know, this is about the time to start negotiating that deal. Um, and one interesting thing, I can't remember who, I think, I think Larry was talking to Yahoo Sports in the last day or two since the news broke. Um, and he said, you know, things might be different if we had decided to make it a 10-year deal instead of a 12-year deal. Um, because in that case, obviously, like, right now is the clo closing time for that deal because in less than 12 months, the new deal kicks in and those are worth, you know, billions of dollars. And, you know, I, I think the way that the whole TV contract stuff was handled um, really set the tone in a lot of ways in the same way that, you know, the the... Oklahoma and Texas thing could have really changed things for the Pac-12 or the Pac-14 or 16 or whatever it would have ended up being. And this TV deal was also kind of like the the basis of Larry Scott's tenure with the Pac-12. You know, that is the one thing that he will really be remembered for. That and bringing in Colorado and Utah. Um, 
And, you know, to hear him say something like, you know, in hindsight, a little bit shorter deal would have worked out better. But the reasoning for the deal is because you want to lock in all that money. When when somebody says, we want to give you this much money for each year that we get to play this many of your games, you want to take that money. But again, the way that these deals work, when you can get them to expire a couple of years earlier, that's a couple of years where instead of getting the $250 million a year that the conference is currently getting, you know, maybe that's up to 350, 400 million dollars a year just because of the way that those rights increase in value and that changes some things. Um and, you know, Larry Scott might be the commissioner if it had been a 10-year deal and in the last couple of years he made some progress getting another deal negotiated that was going to up the value. Um you know, I've been reading like basically everything anybody's written about this just because, you know, I, I'm curious about this sort of thing. And one of the things that really stands out is the way that kind of the beginning of the Larry Scott tenure is portrayed. Um, because you do have these big events happening with, you know, changing who's actually in the conference um, with the TV deal and all of that. And there was a whole bunch of momentum. Um, things were going well for the Pac-12 at that time. Um, Larry Scott came in and was really seen as like this forward-thinking, progressive type of leader that was going to have a whole bunch of set success. And it just kind of slowed down. And part of the reason was after they signed, I think it was a 12-year, $3 billion TV deal, they started spending that money. And because it was the type of money that the Pac-12 hadn't ever had before, um, Nobody had really had it before. And, you know, a lot of it went to stuff that was kind of frivolous. Um, moving the offices into San Francisco, that was a Larry Scott decision. And the rent is whatever it is, it's $7 million a year compared to the $400,000 a year that the SEC pays for its offices. Um, you know, there's like the, that stat that just gets brought up every like four months or so. And right now is one of those times because of what's happening with Larry Scott. And, you know, that was a waste of money. Um, the, you know, there's the stuff about Larry Scott personally and his finances, you know, getting a loan worth a million and a half dollars that was interest-free, and so far there's no evidence that he's made a payment on it. That kind of stuff. Um, the raises. Um, and some of these stories, that I, I, one of the things I thought was really interesting is that they kind of portrayed this as not being in touch with what's going on in the campuses and the need for money at the time on those campuses. Um, and, you know, it kind of expanded into the whole theory that Larry Scott had. Um, I think that he may have been looking at this as kind of like a hard reset. Like we need to go back and build better framework and give ourselves more flexibility and build from there. Um, and that is kind of what happened. And, and like the big payoff at this point is kind of right around the corner. Um, we've talked about how the TV deal works with um, the, I think ESPN and Fox get however many football games they get. And they get like the, the tier one games, the very best games with a lot of the other games going on to the Pac-12 network. And the Pac-12 network, we don't need to dig too deep into that at this point. We'll get there. But 
by keeping the rights how you've done it with the tier one rights expiring in 2023 and retaining your tier three rights, you all of a sudden have the flexibility to put together a super deal in 2024. Um, you know, the hope by moving your offices into San Francisco, like the, the middle of all of technology was to get some very creative sort of offer from an Amazon or an Apple, um, Really, really, those two companies are the big ones who could have made something big happen, um, you know, by saying, you know what, um, Apple TV Plus, we now stream all the Pac-12 games, and your $5 a month gets that too, and we know that, that f for $5 a month, we're going to get basically every Pac-12 fan because there's other stuff too, and everybody subscribes to these services, and in my personal opinion, Apple TV Plus is the best of all of them. Um, but but see, like that's one route. Amazon could do the same thing. And Amazon might even say, if you have a Prime account, this is free. Because they just want to make sure that every person alive has a Prime account. And that's going to be enough money for them. Um, and that stuff is still on the table. And, and the flexibility that you have by having all those rights, you know, it really helps when you're talking with those guys. It also helps when you're talking with, you know, the more traditional players, with ESPN, with CBS, where you can just say, hey, we can offer you every single game. And who knows that that might actually still work out. Um, but that was kind of the long play is to make sure you get those synchronized, which is something that I don't think any conference has been able to do anything close to. Um, so we'll see whether that pans out. Um, kind of building on the Pac-12 network stuff, though. One of the other interesting points from what Larry Scott, I think this was also that Yahoo Sports article. Um, one of the things he said was that they wanted to promote Olympic sports, which makes a lot of sense. And without the Pac-12 network, uh, you, you don't get a lot of broadcasts of what's going on in the Pac-12 with, you know, the rowing and the wrestling and the gymnastics and all those things. Um, really the things that do separate the Pac-12 from the rest of the conferences in a very positive way, um, because you win so many of those national championships um, it's just, it, it, it makes sense to build on your strength. And I think one of the things he said during the story was something like, you know, do we really need to broadcast a hundred women's basketball games? You know, and, and that's kind of the big question because that was what you wanted to do when you decided to make the Pac-12 networks to be able to, to promote all the different things that are going on at the same time. Maybe instead of saying this is our strength, we need to build on this and use the this against the other conferences, you should have said we need to focus more on what's just best for football and what's best for men's basketball. I don't think that that would be a popular route to take with Pac-12 administrators. Um, you know, we, all the schools, the the CEO group, with the presidents and the chancellors, I think that they really do take a lot of pride in what's going on outside of football and basketball. I'm not sure where the athletics directors would fall necessarily, but you know, that, that was one of the decisions that was made. And the big decision was to not include or try to include, you know, an ESPN. That's how the SEC network works is that ESPN basically just runs it. They do everything and they pay for some of the rights and they put it on their streaming thing. Um, ESPN also gets more of the revenue from the ads that they sell on there. Um, but when you look back, it does seem like that taking the SEC network approach with the big or with the 
ESPN or taking the Big Ten approach, which is the same thing, but with Fox, probably would have worked out better. And again, it comes back to the schools wanted more money at the, at the beginning of Larry Scott's tenure, and this would have been a way to do it. Um, what Larry Scott was thinking, though, was we just signed, or we can sign this massive TV deal, a, a huge TV TV deal, $3 billion. I, I'm just very certain. I should, I should research this and be able to say it definitively, but I'm very confident that that was the biggest TV deal for any conference at the time, resetting that entire market. Um, and because we're getting all this money coming in, we'll be fine. We don't need to do something that could limit what the Pac-12 network is worth. If we're able to build the Pac-12 network into something, we don't want to be a 50-50 partner with ESPN or with Fox or CBS or whoever would be interested in being our partner on this. Um, and, and that is very true. You know, it, it would be nice to be in this situation where you own the Pac-12 network not only is that an option to play games, but it's also leverage as you go into the next round of TV deals. You know, you can say, we can just broadcast these games ourselves. The problem is right now you can't because the Pac-12 network is in 16 million households, which is a quarter as many as those other networks we were talking about. Um, it just it just didn't work, is what it all comes down to. And if... The Pac-12 networks would have been able to take off and the Pac-12 would have been able to turn them into something that is valuable. This would be a totally different conversation. Basically, Larry Scott bet on his people and it didn't work. It would have been much better to be in this situation where you're dealing with an ESPN. At the same time, though, that would take away from your flexibility in this next round of TV deals. And it all is very complicated. Um, what we can say is that as of right now, the Pac-12 doesn't get the money that the rest of the conferences get, and they aren't winning. And when those are two facts that are just readily available, it makes it really tough to paint Larry Scott in a good light. Um, at the same time, though, it's not like everything went well around him. You know, it wasn't a situation where everything broke right except he just couldn't control the things that he needed to control like he just failed in his own right you know when you're a pac-12 commissioner you expect to have usc as a pillar for your conference football wise a program that you know maybe they're not in the college football playoff every year but they're a top 25 program every year and they're going to be making some noise in some bowl games and they're going to get you a good non-conference win and once every few years they are going to get in the college football playoff well that hasn't happened with usc they've really struggled um they haven't been able to figure it out and that makes it really tough for larry scott to do a good job when one of your standard bearers just isn't there, and especially when you don't have anybody else that's really living up to that standard. You know, you're not, there isn't an Arizona team that's surprising everybody and making deep runs, um, being talked about as a college football playoff team. You know, it, it, it really has been bleak for the Pac-12 football-wise. They aren't even getting the non-conference wins. The, the record in bowl games is not great. Um, and then on the other side, UCLA has really pulled themselves together basketball-wise recently, but for the majority of the decade that Larry Scott's been in charge, they didn't do much. And 
you i mean I, i'm pretty sure one of the stories had the stat i think it's it's been 17 years since the pac-12 has had a national champion in football it's been 24 years since they've had a national champion in basketball and some of this is like chicken and the egg stuff if ucla had had another whatever million dollars per year would they have been able to get better athletes or better coaches or facilities or whatever and that was the difference between what happened and what could have happened you know another national championship or at least a final four run maybe maybe if you save five million dollars a year by moving those offices out of san francisco and you know it should be said that part of the reason the cost is so high on those offices is that they're also tv studios um for the pac-12 network um and if you're the sec for example you don't have those studios in your office because again you're probably just using the espn studios because of all the deals that you have um and so there is like it, it's an important distinction to make um how much of a difference does it make i'm not so sure but benefit of the doubt there um the point is though if you have that extra $5 million split among all the schools, you have another $500,000 a year. I don't know. Maybe that's the difference. Maybe they could have cut costs somewhere else. But it just really didn't work. And that is tangible at this point. You don't have the results. You don't have the money. Um, honestly, you don't even have like a positive trend. What you do have is all of your media rights available to make a new deal in a couple of years. Um, and maybe moving into San Francisco and being right next to Apple and Amazon and all that, you do get one of those deals done with one of the big tech guys. And those deals, I mean, this next deal, if it's another 12-year deal, it's not going to be $3 billion. It's probably closer to $5 billion. Um, and all of that depends on, I mean, first of all, the length and what you actually get. Is it just like tier one football or is it all sorts of different sports combined and we're really giving you a lot of stuff? Then obviously the deal's worth more. Um, it is going to be complicated, but it is tough to see the deal being worth what the Pac-12 has gone through over the last decade or so. Um, and so those are a bunch of thoughts on Larry Scott. Um the search committee, like I said, I'm pretty sure it's it's three of the presidents that are really leading things. Maybe like Washington, Arizona, and one other, I want to say, are like the, the three presidents who are taking the lead. They're going to hire some executive hiring firm um, to help them with the process. Um, we really don't know a lot about what they're looking for. Some have said, I think there was a story with John Wilner um, where he interviewed... Uh, maybe all three of those presidents and they had different things that they were looking for. They want somebody with experience. They want somebody who has a lot of connections. Um, somebody who obviously has like good ideas, values, academics, you know, you don't read a whole lot into any of those things that I just said, but those are the words that get thrown around in situations like this. Um, a couple of them had some more detailed answers. They want somebody who knows the West coast and values the West coast culture and can kind of broadcast that aspect you know i think one of them said that they weren't sure whether they were more interested in somebody who comes from a more traditional sports background or more of a sports media background um, because you are about to go through this big deal in the next couple of years and that again just like it was for larry scott will kind of be what everything is judged off of because that's going to define the payouts that your schools are going to get um 
so that's what's going on. I don't expect it to move quickly. I think that when you have until June 30th to find a replacement, you might as well take most of that time. Um, I know that there's been a lot of talk about whether Rick George would be a candidate for this job. And again, I don't know exactly what they're going to be looking for or who all the candidates are going to be. Um, you know, like names get thrown out like Condoleezza Rice. It's like, I have no, that sounds crazy, but we do know that there are football ties. And so like, maybe it could be a thing. Um, you know, it's all just speculation at this point and whether Condoleezza Rice could beat out Rick George for the, like, this is all just so hypothetical to me that I don't really know. What I can say though, is that Rick George has done a great job with the university of Colorado. And if he was interested, he does have a very strong resume. Um, he does have the connections. Um, and you know, I do think that the Pac-12 could do a lot worse. Um, I'm just ask me about who would be a better quarterback and I could give you a very confident answer. Um, ask me about who's the better executive. Ugh, I, I don't really know. Um, at this point, we do know that Larry Scott's legacy will not be a perfect one. Um, but we also know that it has pretty much been written, which is pretty nice. And the Pac-12 is turning the page here shortly. Um, I don't know. We'll obviously be staying tuned to this whole search and all that kind of stuff. Um, but that is what we know at this time. Before we get into the basketball game, got to give a shout out to our friends over at Breckenridge Brewery. Um, the Juice Drop IPA has become kind of the, the primary beer of the tailgate. Um, the show that we have on Sundays... I should probably plug that too. We're, do, we're doing that again on Sunday tailgate hour and a half before kickoff of the first game. There will be the same like live betting conversation throughout the entire day of games um, that you guys can find. If you go to the DMVR YouTube page or like all the places we always broadcast stuff. Um, it was a lot of fun last week. Had some special guests, Zach by from one Oh four three. And it should be fun again this Sunday. So tune into that. And there will be a lot of juice drop IPAs. That's been like, again, the first beer that we have on the tailgate. Um, and it's just like a very good beer. Little fruity. Mostly just like a nice, not like too heavy IPA. Um, really recommend that. Uh, Strawberry Sky is still my favorite. Uh, number two, maybe the Mango Mosaic right now. That's uh, a little hoppy. They're, they're all really good beers. And if you're trying to pick favorites, you're probably splitting hairs. Um, and the best part is right now, if you're interested, you can get in on some dope giveaways, including my favorite. Um, and that is this Breckenridge Brewery teamed up with the Colorado Avalanche and they are delivering beers via Zamboni before the Avs games next week. I think that's next week. Um, that'll be on the 30th. They'll do five delivers on the 30th. Um, five deliveries on the 31st. And again, they're delivering you beer on a Zamboni. It's awesome. Um, if you want to sign up, which you definitely should go to breckbrew.com slash Zamboni delivery sweepstakes, 
sweepstakes. Sorry. And uh, you can also just go to the Breckenridge Brewery website and then click on the Zamboni link. It'll be very obvious where that is. Um, and that's it. Uh, you have to be 21 or to enter. You have to live in Denver. Um, winners will be picked via lottery. And the last day to sign up is the 28th. And again, delivery is on the 30th and the 31st from a Zamboni. Really cool. Also, Green Mountain Dental. Um, they do great work. Um, they're huge Colorado sports fans. It's a family-owned dentistry. It's conveniently located just 15 minutes away from downtown Denver in Lakewood. They get great reviews. Um, I know that Lindsay Sauer, our sales director, had her wisdom teeth out and said it was the best experience she's ever had with a dentist. I'm pretty sure Allie's going in there to get her teeth, her wisdom teeth pulled out soon too. Um, so I'm sure she'll say it was great because everybody always does. Um, and I'll let you know when that happens. Uh, the best part about Green Mountain Dental is they will give you a free Sonicare toothbrush if you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. It's an awesome deal. Make sure you take advantage of it and um, take care of your teeth because that's important. Okay. Um, so there was a basketball game yesterday and it did not go well. Um, Colorado lost to Washington. Uh, the final score was, oh, guess what? The ESPN app isn't loading. Oh, there we go. Um, final score was 84 to 80. There we go. Wow. That was way too hard. Um, it was really close right down to the wire. The buffs made some plays that could have ended it for them, you know, turnovers late, um, missed shots late, but they also made some plays, some steals um, that put them right back in it. Um, that was a, a tough road game. Um, not the toughest because, again, Washington had only won one game all season, um, and that win was against Seattle University, Um and there were some really ugly losses. Um, lost to UC Riverside at home by a score of 57 to 42. Um, lost to my Montana Grizzlies, famously. We talk about that a lot. Hadn't beaten a Pac-12 team all season. But, you know, they, they had warmed up a little bit. Um, they were within five points of bringing down UCLA on the road in their previous game last Saturday. Um they're within six points of Cal. Again, Cal isn't like the standard bearer in the Pac-12 by any means. Um, and those were really the positives so far this season is a couple of close losses in the Pac-12 and a win over a bad team non-conference-wise. Um, let me talk you off the ledge a little bit. Washington had a lot of turnover. Um, you know, they've had, I think, three picks three first round draft picks in the last like four years or something so it's been like kind of consistent turnover and when you run the zone defense that they run it really does require some experience um not not like a lot of experience it doesn't take like years to learn your role but it does take a couple of months and i think that that might be what we saw out of washington that's not to say that this is now a good basketball team it isn't. They don't have an enough talent at this point to compete in the Pac-12. You know, they can win some games, but in terms of, like, long-term over the course of a season or over the course of a tournament, winning, that's just not going to happen with this team. However, 
over the last few months, we have seen them put a bunch of pieces together, figure out who their shooters are, figure out what their roles are in the zone, and just seen some general growth for the individuals on this team. Um, and so, while this was a loss to a team that was 1-11, it should be seen as a loss to a team that was more of a 4-7 and seven caliber, which, again, isn't, like, a, a whole lot better, but it is just a little bit better and can almost make this loss bearable. Um, another important note is that it's always really hard to win college basketball games on the road, and that is particularly true in the Pac-12 for some reason or another. Um, the, the path to a lot of success, you know, a bye in the conference tournament, is winning your home games and splitting your road game. Yeah, splitting your road games. And that means that if you lose a game at home, that's you've got to make that up on the road. Uh, so far, the Buffs haven't lost a game on the road. Um, or at home, sorry. They're, they're 6-0, and and... I thought there was something very interesting that Tad Boyle said earlier this week. I think it was Tuesday. Um, I think Pat Rooney asked him, so it seems like your team has been running a lot more. What's up with that, basically? And what Tad said was, you know, a lot of teams in the past have liked the idea of running, have talked about running, have, like, considered running but never really committed to running. That's the difference between teams in the past and this current team, um, which has had a penchant for getting out and running. The other thing that he added that I thought was really interesting was, and this was mostly in reference to the Stanford game, um, in particular he referenced a couple of shots early in the second half against Stanford that they were rushed and they didn't fall, and he said, you know what, those are shots that at home I like. We want to up the pace. At home we want a track meet. On the road, if we were playing that game at Stanford at sea level, eh, I think that you could probably find a, a better look, and you'd be better off taking that better look. And that was interesting um, in a bunch of different ways. It's not a huge surprise to hear that when you're a team at altitude, you want to force other teams to come into your building and run. Um, but the idea that you're changing game plans when you're on the home versus on the road it's not necessarily a bad idea, but when this is a program that has a track record of being very, very good at home and struggling on the road, you know, maybe there is something there. And maybe you do need to up the tempo a little bit more on the road, or maybe you're outperforming at home because you are able to take advantage of the elevation. Um, but that was kind of just something that was on my mind as I watched this game. And... You wonder if there's something there. I mean, it is just tough to watch these losses pile up, even when you know that it's kind of what happens in college basketball. Um, and right now, Colorado isn't splitting its road games. It's three and four on the road. Had they won that game, they would be four and three. Um, that loss sucks. And I think that there's a good chance at the end of the year, that's the loss that a lot of people go back and look at and say, wow, if you had just won that one, you would have gotten a buy in the tournament, or you would have been the one seed, or you would have been a four seed in the Pac-12 or in the national tournament instead of the five seed or the seven, whatever the difference is. You know, that was a really tough loss. Um, and again, there's there's reasons 
that you could talk yourself into and think it wasn't that bad. You know, this Washington team is getting better. You're on the road, all that kind of stuff. Um, but, I mean, the numbers, the the net rankings aren't looking at that. They see this as a team that's 1-11, and and I guess I haven't seen what's done to the net ranking yet, but I would guess that the Buffs took a pretty significant hit. Um, and it sucks. Again, though, the goal, win at home, split your road games. Next up is the second half of this road trip. If you beat Washington State, which you should be able to do, um, in, in the same way that Washington was a 1-11 team that probably should have been seen as, like what did I say, like 4-7 team, um, Washington State is a 9-4 team that's more of a 5-7 team. Not that I don't think any of these numbers add up, but just in terms of what they are. Six and six. Let's call them a straight 500 team. Getting more wins from non-conference play that kind of brings them up to 500, of course. Um, You know, you should be able to go beat Washington State. The thing is, now your back's up against the wall. And that's not how you want these road trips to go. It is so nice when you're able to get that first win. And that second win can feel almost like a bonus instead of, you know, something that you really need to have. Otherwise, you are in trouble because this does change how things stack up in the Pac-12. Um, UCLA way out in front, Oregon at four and one, um, USC at five and two, and then you have Colorado at five and three, Stanford at four and three, Oregon State at three and three. Um, it's not ideal, but as long as you avoid going to five and four, you're in decent shape. You just need to stay up there near the top. And in this season, how many games are left? I think 12 games are left. Every team's going to have a couple more losses, including UCLA. Like, I don't even think they finish with one loss. I think they finish with two. Um, As soon as you start to get that third loss, though, which is what Colorado got, that's when you start to say, okay, how many more can we really afford to lose and still expect to be a top four team. I think that you can lose. I think you can probably lose two more. Maybe even more, honestly. Um, it kind of depends on how things shake out, obviously. But what you can't do is lose to Washington State um, really in either of the next two games. And I don't think you can really lose to Utah after that. Um, otherwise, you go into the stretch with Arizona State, Arizona, Stanford, Cal which is not as scary but then oregon then oregon state which isn't as scary usc ucla that is hopefully going to be the stretch that defines the season obviously if colorado kind of does fall apart in these next few games that could be the stretch that defines the season um what you really want is to rip off three in a row right here and be sitting there at eight and three saying we are a good basketball team and we have a record that backs that up. You're in a situation where seven and four, you're still fine. Six and five, I mean, no, that is not okay. But losing two out of three against uh, Washington State, Washington State, and Utah, and that shouldn't happen anyway. It's just that you are now in a more stressful position than you had to be and. It's disappointing. In terms of what actually happened in the game, um, there was a lot to like. Um, if Colorado doesn't go 1 of 18 from 3, they win this game. 
you can just say that right there, no big deal. I think they had like four turnovers in the last five minutes after having one in the first 35. I'm not going to say that like the turnovers were the problem because they absolutely were not the problem in this game. In the last couple of minutes, they were part of the reason that things fell apart, but it was a five turnover game. You did pretty much everything you could do there. Um, it just sucks when those five turnovers came. Um, again, though, those turnovers happen don't happen late. You're probably fine. Um, and then there was Washington getting really hot from three, which is something that they've done. It's not a huge surprise, um, but it has been more recent that they've been able to make their shots. Um, Marcus Sahonis just kind of got to tip your cap to that guy. He was taking tough shots and he put up 27 points on 13 of those shots. Tough, tough day to be playing Marcus Sahonis. And I'm not even sure that there's much else you can say. Um, Quade Green, the guy who you circle on your scouting report, you kept him quiet. And a lot of the reason for that was Eli Parquet, who played his best game as a buff by far. Um, every week he gets better. And, you know, it's it just the narrative changes just a little bit. Where it's like, okay, he's somebody where if he's on the floor... You're all right with it. You know, you you know you could probably do better. There, He isn't the best two-guard, starting two-guard in the Pac-12. But if he's out there, sure, yeah, you're, you're not losing anything. You're not hurting yourself. To the point where we are now where you have to say he is one of the best defenders in the entire conference. Um, and that alone makes him very valuable. On top of that... He's pretty smart offensively, at least in terms of shot selection. He knows his role and doesn't take shots that he shouldn't be taking. Um, and also, he's been knocking down quite a few shots. Uh, for the season, he's shooting almost 50% from the field. He's shooting 37.5% from three. That's three and D territory. If you're shooting 37.5% and you play good defense, you are three and D. If you're 36%, eh, maybe not. But... He has grown into this role, and what's so crazy is that he actually is going to have another year at Colorado, um, and I'm really excited to see what he will look like um, as a senior. As a senior, I mean, does he grow offensively? Does he start handling the ball? I don't really know, um, but if he does take one more step, that would be huge. Um, in terms of like the numbers. I can't say they don't jump off the page because some of them definitely do, but playing 28 minutes, going two of two from the field with two rebounds and assist, four points, no turnovers and one foul, like that doesn't stand out. But what does stand out, four steals, three blocks. And more than that, he just passes the eye test. You watch him out there and he's just playing good defense. Um, and it's just really good to see. Um, Colorado bullied Washington in the paint. Um, Evan Batty and Jariah Horn, we saw some of their best work all season. And in particular, the way that they worked off of each other, the little passes inside, you know, beating their guy with footwork in the post, drawing the other, and then just dumping it off and giving somebody else a layup. It was, um, it, it was a good night. They combined to shoot 16 to 26 from the field, combined for 42 points. Um, you know, Dallas Walton didn't have the best night of the season, um, but 
he did he did come back and that's what really matters after missing i think it was six games um 12 minutes two of six from the field two of two from the free throw line grabbed a board you can't expect a guy's best when he hasn't played in that long um it will be important that he takes a little bit of a step forward against washington state because he is kind of one of the features of the team he's the seven footer who can score and he can do other things too but seven footer who can score that is a very valuable thing to have in college basketball um mckinley wright struggled shooting the ball um which has happened to him occasionally um still had six assists one turnover um five boards like it wasn't a bad game he still had 12 points Again, though, it's just about the proportions in basketball. How many 4 or 12 nights do you have? How many 8 or 12 nights do you have? And if it's 50-50, then you're shooting 50% from the field, and you are very happy with that. Um, you need Kin to come out and beat up on Washington State a couple of games now. I think that that's about all I have. Did anything else really stand out? Jabari Walker did some nice things. Um... Maddox Daniels missed the threes. Everybody missed threes, though, so I don't think we need to bring that up. Um, only person who made a three was Jariah Horn, who had a shot late, a deep three that could have uh, likely, I guess, sent the game to overtime. Just a tough loss. Just a tough loss, but something that kind of happens on the road. Um, need some wins now. And as long as you get those wins, this loss doesn't really hurt all that bad. Um if you don't get those wins, that's when things start to get ugly and the season can kind of spiral. And that's what you didn't want was to be put in a situation where things could spiral. Instead, you're saying, wow, five in a row, we're on to something. And, you know, as long as they take it the right way and bounce back strong, everything will be just fine. Um, back is not against the wall by any means, but it's getting there. And uh, uh, more than one loss in the next three games, your back would really be against the wall. Um, be really nice to sweep these next three, though. That's all I've got for today. I w I, yeah, I'll be back tomorrow with another podcast. And, uh, yeah, I'll see you then. I think they like my Colorado sway. Cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Way.